Hi, I'm Emery Parker, interactive editor with The Post and Courier, here each week to discuss the forces shaping the Palmetto State and provide the context that gives it meaning. This is Understand South Carolina. I'm here with my co-hosts, Brooks Brunson. Hi. And Kelly Poe. Hey. From The Post and Courier's web team, as well as reporter David Slade. Morning. Now, if you live in Charleston, you've probably complained about all the people moving here. But it's not just Charleston. South Carolina's population has about doubled what it was in 1970. It's now the ninth fastest growing state in the U.S. And David is our resident expert at all things census data, development, and demographics. So, Welcome to the show, David. Thanks. Glad to be here. A good place to start this conversation is with a major demographics myth that I know just drives Kelly up the wall. So, Kelly, can you... Tell us about Ohio. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't tell you how many times uh, since I moved here, maybe a year and a half ago, I've heard people complain about all the people moving here from Ohio. I am not from Ohio. But I have a lot of friends who are from Ohio, and they say they get that all the time whenever they say where they're from. It's, Ooh, go back to Ohio. Um, there is no evidence to support this whatsoever. Uh, there, there are a lot more people moving to Charleston specifically from other places in South Carolina than anywhere else, far and away. It's in migration within the state. If you look outside of South Carolina, the people that are moving to Charleston are from North Carolina or Georgia, neighboring states. There, I mean, surely there are people moving here from Ohio, but there is no evidence whatsoever to support that, that there's some sort of mass migration from Ohio. There are a lot more people moving here from Bluffton than from Cleveland. Mm-hmm. What about the Midwest like as a whole? I feel like more of my friends are from the Midwest now than are from South Carolina. Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of people moving here from the northeastern states, New York, New Jersey, but but Ohio, I don't know where that came from. Yeah. I mean, I mean, before you moved here, Kelly, I mean, the River Dogs had a go back to Ohio night. People were driving around with go back to Ohio bumper stickers. I, I don't know how that started, but um My roommate's well, from Ohio. Well, well I believe there you go. <laughs> I believe we don't know that much, right? I mean, outside of, we do have lots of evidence that there are lots of people moving here from neighboring states. Right. And there, there is some evidence that people have moved here from the Northeast. I know that New York was high up when I did um, that story on where people moved to Charleston from. Um, but other than that, we just really don't know that much, right? Yeah, the, it can be a little bit frustrating because um, one of the biggest ways to track that is, is where people were the prior year. And, and military moves throw that way off. So you look at the data and we have all these people moving here from Biloxi and Anchorage, Alaska. I mean, that's not people moving here. That's military families being transferred. So let's, let's back up before we get really into the nitty gritty of, of how the population is changing. Let's just like get the lay of the land. So I'm so used to South Carolina being a 4 million person state and it kind of like I'm having, it's. I guess it's like when uh when the year changes and you know you have to start writing a new year. I'm just not used to the idea that there are now more than five million people in the state. So how many how many people about live in South Carolina? Right. Um, just over five million, five point zero eight million, and and but it's it seems like a lot more than that are moving here, and here's why. Mm-hmm. Uh, almost all the growth has been in half the counties. Yeah, I mean the other counties are actually losing people. So. Mm-hmm. So whatever's coming here, it, it's basically double that in the places where it is actually growing. And then it's even more dramatic along the coast and along the Charlotte to Atlanta corridor because that's where it's almost all happening. Yeah, that was something I was observing when I was looking back at a few of your stories, David. So if you look at the, the fastest growing towns, like the top 10 list, uh, you have 
five of them are like suburbs suburbs of Charleston, and like another three are suburbs suburbs of Greenville. We have Conway, which is like a Myrtle Beach suburb, and there's like no Columbia. Right, right. Columbia has right? been pretty flat, and Charleston became the state's largest city in 2017. But it's interesting that it's all like the outskirts of the state. You know, it's everything in the middle is getting less, right? It, that's true. Yeah, the rural counties are shrinking. Columbia is pretty flat. And then but partly because we have such small cities. Mm-hmm. I mean, Charleston is, what, 140,000 people, roughly. Um, it's the suburban areas that are, that are really exploding. Mount Pleasant, Fort Mill, Bluffton, Greer. I mean, Greer. Mm-hmm. was the fourth fastest growing municipality in the state. Suburb, suburb of, of Greenville. Yeah, but I mean, historically, yeah. I, I think you're from Greenville. Yeah. It's, yeah. Greer was always kind of a depressed little yeah, bit. Yeah, 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 no, yeah, that, that, that is really surprising to hear Greer popping off. I mean, yeah, it, it, that's that's just always kind of been more of the, like, I would say cor- sort of like industrial side of, of town. Yeah, and here's the, the thing that really jumps out about South Carolina is, I mean, lots of states are growing because babies are born and people move there. In South Carolina, nine out of 10 people added to the state's population have been people moving here. I mean, Mm -hmm. Myrtle Beach is one of the fastest growing cities in the country and they have a negative birth rate. It's all people moving there. I am, I am curious. Um, so we're talking about like some of the, like the biggest cities, but one of the things I'm thinking about is that like the city limits of Charleston are enormous compared to like the city limits of Greenville, for example. So when you look at it like apples to apples, how did the like metropolitan areas compare? Is is Charleston Charleston's the state's largest city, but is Charleston the like w- when people imagine Charleston, they're like including Mount Pleasant and North Charleston. Is Charleston actually the biggest city in the state, the biggest metro area in the state? I believe it is the largest metro area. We're we're above eight hundred thousand mm-hmm. people, but that's all three counties: Charleston, Dorchester, and Berkeley. Yeah, the metro areas up the coast have traditionally been the fastest growing. Because that's basically Hilton Head, Charleston, and Myrtle Beach, yeah. and surrounding counties. And then some of the fastest growing parts of the state are actually part of the Charlotte metro area, mm-hmm. you know, up around Fort Mill. And- yeah, yeah. Oh, I know that. That's quite controversial. To, uh, to one of one of my good friends is from Charlotte, and um, really bristles at the idea that Rock Hill is part of Charlotte. But I mean, of course it is. Like, <laughs> what do you? Nobody knows what Rock Hill is. You're going to say I'm from Charlotte. Yeah, I mean, the Fort Mill School District is adding 1,000 students mm-hmm. a year, and that's not because of everyone's having babies. That's, right. That's people who work in Charlotte looking for a place they can afford to live. Mm-hmm. So how does this, like, suburban growth really change what, like, what South Carolina looks like? When, and in terms of just, like, I mean, are we becoming a lot more, like, strip malls? Yeah, I mean— I haven't really thought about that till just now, but— I, I guess there are two things. I mean, in, in terms of what the population looks like, it, it's really interesting because— most of the nation's becoming more diverse. I mean, in most places, 75% of the growth is people other than non-Hispanic white people. In South Carolina, it's completely reversed. 75% of our growth is non-Hispanic white people. Um, So as a result, South Carolina looks almost exactly the same demographically as it did 10 years ago, while the rest of the nation becomes more diverse. In terms of what does it actually look like in the suburbs, it depends on which ones you're talking about. Right. I mean, I mean, if it's Greer, uh, population growth means the downtown is getting revitalized. If it's uh, Mount Pleasant, you're talking about enormous uh, subdivisions of single-family homes and shopping centers. So that's really interesting that um, South Carolina really bucks that trend racially. 
Do you do we know why that is? Do we have any idea? Yeah, it's very it's simply because of who's moving here. All our growth is coming from people moving here and something like 75% of the people moving here are non-Hispanic white people. White people just really like South Carolina. Well, it's lots of retirees. Retirees yeah. are driving it, driving it. That's I mean, think about Myrtle Beach. Negative population growth, one of the fastest growing places on the East Coast. This is maybe a little bit outside of, of the scope of the podcast, but do we know like what makes South Carolina such an attractive place to retire? I mean, people, I think of like Florida, but... Right. Um, well, it's not as hot and nasty as Florida. Oh, well, fair enough. Um, <laughs> really, really low taxes. I yeah. mean, people always argue about taxes, but if you're moving here from New York or New Jersey and you're used to paying eight or $10,000 a year in property taxes yeah. and you move here and buy a similar house and your bill's $1,000 or $1,500, um, you know, that's a big plus. Our, our income tax system here is skewed to help retirees. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a cheap place to live if you're yeah. retired and the climate's pretty nice and uh, golf and fishing and all that. This trend towards like suburbs, is that like something we're seeing nationwide or is that kind of unique to South Carolina? Uh, I think nationally, I mean, the big trend has been people moving to basically urban areas. And most- That would be almost the opposite in some ways. I mean, I guess when you're looking at growth versus actual population, but you know, I, I just find it really fascinating that it's like these suburb towns that are growing the fastest. Yeah, I guess I guess the the whole idea of what's urban and what's suburban gets right. a little little yeah. a little bit muddled sometimes, but it, it's it's our metropolitan areas that are growing the fastest, and that's a combination of urban and suburban. Yeah, I was going to say that it seems kind of obvious to me why like Hanahan would grow really quickly while Charleston wouldn't. Where would you even put more people in Charleston? Right. Yeah, the, so much of our undeveloped land is undevelopable. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, a lot of the growth we're seeing here is, uh, especially in the Charleston area, it's 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 huge tracts of land that used to be timber, uh, used to be Midwest Vaco pine tree plantations, basically with nothing on them, and now um, now they're ten thousand home subdivisions. I mean, that's what Nexton is. That's what uh, Cane Hoy Plantation is. That's what Cane Bay is. That's what. Summer's Corner and uh, Long Savannah. I mean, that's all and, and of them. Can you, can you just mention what Canehoy is? Because the scope of that project just kind of blows my mind. Sure. Um, on the Canehoy Peninsula, and that's the land above Daniel Island, bordered by the Wando River, just across the bridge from Mount Pleasant, there's a, I want to say 14,000 acre, I'm not sure about this, former plantation. It used to be owned by the Guggenheim family. And now it's a development. And they're permitted to build... 18,000 homes there. Now they say, oh, don't worry, we're only going to build 9,000. Yeah. Uh, but Only 9,000. Only na- <laughs> but they could build 18,000. They could, but they say they're not going to. But the point is, I mean, 9,000 homes, that's larger than most towns that's, in South yeah, Carolina. That's, that's, that's building a new city almost. Yeah, like, that, that's like 25,000 people. That's yeah. um, And out, out near Somerville, there are three what we have been calling mega developments, and they're they're next to each other. Nexton, Carnes Crossroads, and Cane Bay. Add them all up, that's the population of Mount Pleasant mm-hmm. once they're built out. Now they say, oh, don't worry, it'll take 20, 25 years to do that, but they're basically building Mount Pleasant in, in three subdivisions right next to each other, some of them being on two-lane roads, which are going to need to be widened and all the traffic problems that follow. And So it's, it's that enormous uh, sort of scale of development that's driving a lot of the suburban growth. People can't fit in the cities or can't afford to live in the cities themselves, so they're creating new towns almost just to be nearby. 
not just the low country, but also in the upstate. I mean, that's really wild to me. Oh, yeah. I mean, some of our cities are, are getting a little bit denser and larger, but our cities are very small here. I mean, Green, yeah. Greenville is, what, 70,000 people? Mm, yeah. The Charleston Peninsula is less than 40,000 people. People don't think about that. We have 4 million tourists a year. 40,000 people live here, and a quarter of them are college students. It's 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 astounding. And try to tell someone that the peninsula used to have 70,000 residents in 1950, and they do a double take every time. Really? Yeah. That is, that is, that is surprising. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, there's more people... I mean, I guess, I guess, into, like, I guess on one hand, like, yeah, I, I, like, I understand that, like, there was a period in the United States where city, where cities were depopulated and the suburbs were populated. So I guess that makes sense. But I, I never heard that statistic before. That is kind of oh, yeah. surprising. Yeah. And it was, it was larger families was a big reason. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, the Charleston Peninsula, people who've come here in the last 20 years don't realize how run down the Charleston Peninsula was like most cities were in the 70s. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of my favorite statistics is that a quarter of the homes in 1950 on the peninsula had no running water. I'm stuck on where would you all put the, where would you put them all? Yeah, it's it was a so lot of people. it was mostly rental housing with large families. Um, 73% of the housing on the peninsula was rentals in 1950, which, you know, maybe that's the same today, but um, you know, you're talking about a lot of run-down housing with large families. and mm-hmm. So something I want to talk about is I hear people complain about growth a lot, a lot, a lot. And it's really easy to complain because that's what we see and that's what we experience. And all of a sudden our commute is worse. But it's notable that growth comes with good things too, like a competitive labor force uh, that keeps jobs coming here. It comes with more options for things like healthcare and entertainment and Cities that we we and it, more people on Tinder, more people on Tinder, <laughs> and we really want growth in a lot of ways because cities that aren't growing that looks like Detroit and that looks like Cleveland, and I have never been to either of those places, but they don't they're, have great reputations. They're, they're, I'm sure they're fine cities. No offense to those people, the people that live there, but but yeah, yeah. A- ask the guy who used to live and work in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. me. <laughs> All right. Well, so what's what's your take on that then? Yeah, I mean, and and a lot of it's about the pace of, of growing or shrinking. But so Scranton, Pennsylvania was a, a coal mining boom town in the, up until about the 1920s. And then they kind of stopped relying on coal so much. And the population started shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and getting older and older and older as the young people left. And aside from making it hard to find jobs there, you, you get the consequence of there's all this infrastructure that was built for a large population, and now those people don't live here, but we still need to pave the roads and fix the sewers, and where do we get the money, and all sorts of desperate financial things the government kept having to do over and over. That's not good. I mean, you, a, a shrinking population creates a, a bad scenario. On the other hand, when you have a fast-growing population, you see what we have here, which is desperately trying to build roads, widen roads, build schools, expand schools. Where's the money going to come from? Usually playing catch up all the time. And then everyone's mad about traffic. And that's the the, the frustration you get when growth happens mm-hmm. quickly. Right. And just to, to quantify that real quick, um, Greenville was the fourth fastest growing city in the country in 20, I think it was 16. The year before that, Mount Pleasant was the ninth fastest growing 
in the country. I mean, we're not just growing, we're growing incredibly rapidly. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, like there's just the, the basic logistical question, like we were talking about Kane Hoy, that's kind of right now in the middle of nowhere, you're going to put 25,000 potentially people there. Presumably all of them are not going to work, you know, next to where they live. How are they going to get to West Ashley? How are they going to get to Mount Pleasant? How are they going to get to downtown? You know, that that's driving. Right. We exa- know the answer exactly. There's, you know, like we, and you don't necessarily have the, the resources or the, the planning to put in like the, the kind of public transit that might help offset that. It's, it's a challenge. Right. So what you're seeing now is they're widening uh, Clements Ferry Road. That's yeah. the, the two lane road that one runs past that big development from two lanes to four lanes. And that leads to I-526, which they're talking about somehow widening in the years to come. Oh, boy. Um, and across the river is Highway 41, which is a two-lane road that runs past Park West and Dunes West in Mount Pleasant. They're widening that. Add it all up, you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of road work. Mm-hmm. So that's a really good point, which is that growth doesn't exist in a vacuum. Um, growth is directly related to traffic, which is a constant topic of conversation like on this podcast and elsewhere. Uh, it leads to crowded schools. Uh, it leads to a lack of affordable housing. We've been tackling a lot of these issues individually, right? Uh, fund a drainage project here, extend I-526 here, limit growth permits in Mount Pleasant um, after Mount Pleasant has already grown by a crazy amount. It can feel very piecemeal. Is there a better way? Well, I, I wish I knew the answer to that. I'd, I'd be a highly paid consultant. Um yeah. But um, I, I think a lot of the problem we see is that it's reactive. You know, we, we, we limit growth after we've already grown. We widen roads after people already move here. Um, I mean, all across this area, you're seeing what I think is a, is, is a common reaction of government, which is, is to address a problem once it becomes apparent. I mean, my, the parallel I usually offer is, I mean, look at, look at climate change. I mean, there are, there are a lot of people who uh, aren't going to feel pressed to do anything until, uh, you know, it's visibly, readily there all the time in their face, which is what we're seeing with growth. Would you say it's sort of similar in rural areas, too? I mean, obviously, the problems are different. You're dealing with reducing populations rather than growing populations. But are they left reacting now with less resources? Well, I think in the rural areas, it's been more of a long, slow slog of, of the population just leaving, especially the young people. The young people leave to find jobs. The, the jobs don't seem to come. And when they do come, it's, it's usually, um, you know, a, a distribution warehouse or, or something like that. Um, and it's just getting worse for them because South Carolina distributes a lot of its funding based on population, which means when we get to the next census next year, rural areas are going to see their money transferred to growing areas. And that's just, it's just a terrible cycle they're in. Yeah. I mean, speaking of that, I think that leads directly to um, kind of the last thing that I wanted to talk about, which is if we're a rapidly growing state, how does that influence our politics? Are we starting to see any influence on that? Or It seems to be mostly at the local level um, because it's, I mean, as we've been talking about, some areas are, are not growing, they're shrinking. Um, but in places that are growing, there's this tremendous conflict between people arguing about how to, how to deal with it. More density versus less density. Um, 
more parking versus less parking, mass transit versus none, um, how to fund road taxes. In Mount Pleasant, uh, which I keep mentioning because I covered them for a few mm-hmm. years and they're one of the fastest growing places in our fourth largest city now, the entire government was basically replaced, mostly because of people concerned about growth. And, and they came in and passed uh, you know, limits on building permits, impact fees, uh, cut the height building was allowed to be, uh, buildings were allowed to be. And, and so on. While in Charleston, you've seen more of a push for uh, mass transit and urban density and things like that. So it, these fights do tend to be on the local level. Mm-hmm. David, do you think that this is going to continue for a while? Like, where does it stop? Uh, I guess, like, when you see, like, um, trends like certain areas growing in population, I mean, is Charleston going to just keep growing and growing and growing? Or do we see a path? Well, I mean, for people who are who are – feeling oppressed by growth. The good news is that the, the influx into South Carolina peaked in 2015. Um, we're still getting a lot of growth, but it's, it's clearly slowing down. And, and part of it might have just been like a boomerang coming off the recession when hardly anybody moved. So it's still happening. It is slowing down. But if we continue to be an attractive place to live with a strong job market, we can expect to keep seeing growth. I think that's a pretty good place to leave it. Yeah, Brooks, do you feel like you uh, better understand South Carolina? Maybe. It's one of those things where there's just so many different facets to this. You know, no, you know, I do understand it a little more. I just sometimes I feel like the more I know, the more confused I am. Emery, do you feel like you better understand oh, absolutely. South Carolina? I, yeah, my mind has been blown multiple times in this recording. Um, there, there have been several new things that I've learned about the state, and I've lived here for a very long time. I'm constantly surprised by things. What was the most surprising thing, you think? How the the difference in population on the peninsula, the, the fact yeah, that, it's almost, that, used, that it's like almost half yeah. what it used to be, and it feels really dense now, but that must have been just a totally different city. That's hard to imagine. No one has, no one has large families anymore. Yeah, fair enough. Kelly, do you understand South Carolina better? I do. One thing I understand and that I would like to share is that I am from Raleigh, North Carolina. Brooks is from Columbia and Emory is from Greenville, making us like a perfectly representative sample of who moves to Charleston. (laughs) Neighboring metro or metros within South Carolina and neighboring states. We're all we're all here. Well, I'm I'm from Philadelphia, so I, I, I get the northeast part. Yeah. So for the record, I usually tell people I'm from Charleston. So if you'll hear that lie, just go with it. David, thank you so much for being here. Uh, where can people follow you online? Uh, on Twitter, I'm dslade news, and uh, all my stories are on postandcourier.com. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, David. Glad to be here. All right, and that's all. Understand South Carolina is a production of The Post and Courier in Charleston. Our theme song is by Billy Fountain. You can stream his music by searching for Billy, that's with an I-E, Fountain, on Spotify. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. You can get in touch with us by emailing understandsc at postandcourier.com, or, of course, you can tweet at us with any questions or comments. And if you're a fan of the show, please take a second to like us and leave a rating on the Apple Podcast Store. See y'all later. See y'all later.